hello and welcome to The Bright Side here on News Radio 93.1 and also on 540. Is yeah. that right? We're all over the place. We're all over. Wait, you can just do an experiment. Flip through your dial. Just <laughs> let it land anywhere. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> so this I is, just sound a little different, and I may be singing a country song. That's exactly right. Uh, this is The Bright Side. I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my dad, Joel Hunter. And uh, we are here to talk about good things, yeah. all good things. Today, specifically, really oh, good things. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and today is just about why the arts matter, why it matters for a community and yeah. all that stuff. I'm not going to lie. When I saw today's topic, I was like... The subtitle could be Joel's super ignorant about this. <laughs> and well, so, you've been in medicine I, forever. I know. I, I haven't seen any any artwork that wasn't drawn by Frank Netter, the famous anatomist <laughs> in a really long time. Frank Netter was the guy. He, Netter's anatomy books are the are like the the even now with all the really great CGI I thought it was stuff. Gray's anatomy. Uh, Gray's anatomy. Well, he was the 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 OG, the original guy. Oh, okay. Uh, that, uh, that did and 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 so he had the real famous book. But he's got, it was so old that all the old stuff was like, you know, here's where the mean temper is stored, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, and then, but then Frank Netter came along and, and did these like unbelievable, and they're still like the standard for anatomy illustrations. And, I, and it was, it was like ha- halfway through first year of med school that I actually finally saw a, uh, a photograph of Frank Netter and, and our guest today that we'll be that we'll be bringing in shortly can uh, confirm for me if all artists look like this. Uh, he was he looked like he had decided to be a ship captain of an old rickety ship for like most of his life, and then in the last minute he's like, oh, also I can draw. He had a cigar hanging out of his mouth. He was just like his face was all just ash covered and stuff. And, but man, could that guy draw? So yeah, yeah so art. Uh, that's what we're talking about today. So art, not just Frank Netter's art, but art in general. Um, you, you you actually have more of a history with this because I I know that you have have supported this and 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 found you know uh, value in this beyond just uh, you know the what it what it is personally but what it is for a community. Um, what what do you think that is? Well, my mom had me in tap dancing very early in my life, <laughs> and it just. I've always been grateful to her for it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's only ever spoken fondly about that. <laughs> well, the big picture is. Um, that <clears throat> arts are not just for people who are ethereally minded. Um, I, I think I just pronounced, mispronounced that word, ethereally. Ethereally? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, and, and, and they are for their benefit to us all. Um, you know, we grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the Midwest where, you know, working men just, had meat and taters and went out in the field and got her done. Um, but when we become students of the arts, there are many benefits. The, our research department. Yes. Um, thank you, Becky. Uh, our research department um, had uh, an interview by, uh, by Vanessa Wang uh, listing some of these, and, and you, they will be immediately recognizable um, to many of you. Um, that is art. Um, when you view it or experience it gives you a new way of seeing. Oh, yeah. Because most people never get out of their own little perceptive bubble until they see something uh, that is visual or performed or you're drawn into an experience, um, and it just lets you think in a whole different way. Yeah, and to, and to piggyback on that, you know, I, I, uh, I, as I was reading uh, that, that article, I mean, I found myself— 
I kept getting drawn back into this picture of what we traditionally think of as these these very tightly drawn borders on what constitutes art, mm-hmm. and I feel like that uh, hijacks it for a lot of people, and it and it and it prevents people from experiencing stuff that uh, and 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 being allowed to enjoy stuff that they they wouldn't c- categorize as art. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, if you take like we go back to your Midwest example, you take the most hard bitten. Uh, mechanic that you'd you'd have a hard time getting being like free tickets to the Louvre and he'd be like miss me, uh, but like but you but you sh- but the the lines on the newest model of car that comes out I mean oh, that's an evocative yeah. experience yeah. you know I mean that's, oh, and that's a really good there's, there's art to that and 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 it lets us you know it, t- it does it kind of takes us outside of, outside of ourselves to to let us appreciate things on a on a plane where we're just kind of existing above our just natural animal, you know, nature that, you know, where we're just well, in one survival of the, mode. One of the uh, great gifts of the guest today is that he really takes art to the folks who would be automatically dismissive, as in, I can't draw a stick figure. You mm-hmm. know, they're just kind of dismissive of the whole experience, but but they don't understand there's an artist in each of us. Uh, there's, there's, there's someone who wants to kind of see things that are beautiful, mm-hmm. um, that are winsome, um, that are evocative. That's a very good word. Um, no matter who you are, uh, you want to um, be able to see the world better than you can. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, the, there's a, there's a, it's part of art in general and art for a community is that there are those that can create art where the rest of us couldn't even hope to approximate with, with a lifetime of training. There's just some natural gifting, and then uh, and and then you can train into that. Uh, and then there are people that uh, would look at that as like that's the only version of it. Yeah. But like I would just venture to guess, Frank Netter. Not a great tap dancer, <laughs> you know. I can teach you a thing or two. <laughs> That's right. I still remember my slap step step. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, I bet that didn't leave you, a young kid. Never lived. Young kid, small <laughs> town, me. Ohio. Try, I have had to have post traumatic stress <laughs> therapy it's, for my, it's my tap dancing days. Important to meet people where they are. Uh, well, so, and, and, yeah, and and another thing uh, on this list were were just the practical aspects. Uh, you know, studies have shown that students that um, practice the arts become better at learning, hmm. um, better at learning their lesson. It, it, it operates uh, or it activates different parts of the brain than they were using, and they be, just become better students. That makes sense. I mean, scientifically, that, that makes sense. I mean, there's, there's, uh, it, it's very, very hard for your brain to focus well in chaos. And I mean, I think a lot of art is to, is to draw some kind of beauty out of the chaos and, and, mm. and to, and to have something that's orderly and beautiful. It, it, it creates a different way for you to learn things. Yeah. You know? it, 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 it expands your mind. And that's not just uh, like woo woo stuff. I mean, that's actually science. Well, that's, and, and another um, thing that the research department listed was it gives us a sense of resilience, probably indirectly because you see things in different forms, and therefore you infer that things can have, they can work different ways. You mm-hmm. can look at things differently. If this doesn't work, there's probably something else. Yeah. And so it gives you a sense of resilience. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Bright Side, and today we are talking about uh, a topic that we we don't talk about enough, really, the arts. And uh, just in this first segment, I'm realizing there's I was worried we wouldn't have enough to say until we brought our guest on because he knows everything and I didn't know anything. But uh, but that what you just said about resilience in the arts, anyone who's ever watched 
any of the excellent should have all won Academy Award Rocky films can can attest to the fact that you play the right musical score over the right cutscenes, and you feel like I could run through a brick wall if I you No matter how down in the dumps you are, you listen to Hearts on Fire. I am the tiger, baby. It is. uh, It's. uh, And you're like, I need to get to Russia and chop some wood. (laughs) This day wasn't so bad. Rocky had it bad. Here's one more. Here's one more. Um, because I know we're going to do a break here, but um, this the the other one of the other positive uh, was the uh, sense of community development and and revitalization. You know, when your mom and I went to Rome, I was surprised to see how much graffiti was in Rome, hmm. um, uh, and and it was just kind of an odd paradox that this this city of great art would have all of this graffiti everywhere. But then it reminded me of many of the beautiful murals that are that are um, painted in some of uh, the most challenged neighborhoods in our nation, huh. uh, and what that does uh, for those who not only live in those neighborhoods but drive through. I mean, just the sense, and and we'll go much farther than murals. We'll go to actual community programs pretty soon, but but. Uh, but what it can do for a community uh, that felt disregarded, uh, disengaged, and disparaged. You know, preachers always have to come up yeah. with alliteration. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. They were disrespected <laughs> and denigrated, <laughs> disabused and disavowed. <laughs> they said no more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it, that's what else art does. <laughs> that's great. And on that note, we can uh, we can finally uh, stop giving our amateurish opinions on art. Uh, actually, what you said there uh, speaks to the spirit, which you which you really have spent your whole life in. And it makes sense, you know, what, what art can do for the spirit and why what our guest today is doing, why it's so important. So uh, hopefully you uh, just sit perched waiting. Uh, we have have Joshua Vickery with us, who is uh, uh, leading the charge to get art uh, into the hands and minds and hearts of uh, the people that otherwise might not have it in our community. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to The Bright Side, a show that's about helping you help others. And today we have a special episode about the arts. Yes. I, I paused to see if anyone would guess it, and I bet everyone guessed wrong. Uh, <laughs> I bet they did. This is, our, this is our very first arts episode, and uh, and it wasn't until I, I started doing like looking into some of the research of, on why this matters so much. Um, Pop, why don't you introduce our guest, because he's, uh, he's somebody that you've known uh, longer than me. Well, he's a superstar in our community in Central Florida um, and beyond, actually. Uh, he has a cape on today, and we, we appreciate him flying and landing. Uh, <laughs> That's right. But this guy is continually, uh, he's on so many boards uh, throughout the community. Um, he's a regular on Orlando's 50 Most Powerful. Um, and I thought I was a bridge builder. This guy makes me look like I'm navel-gazing <laughs> uh, because he just knows everybody. And uh, But what I really appreciate uh, about Joshua <clears throat> is that he has a philosophy um, of the arts that says it's not just for the few and the talented. Um, it is for the many, uh, for the development, uh, not only of individuals, but of communities. Um, and he is doing that um, in, in our community. And so, Joshua, welcome. We're so glad you're here. 
Thank you. It is absolutely my pleasure to be here. And I, I love being on a show with you, Dr. Hunter, because you're very much a part of our story uh, and our success. And so it's nice to be able to sit and chat with you about the importance of the arts. Well, you, you, this is, your story is, is, uh, is really interesting in the, in the latter years in that, in that you, um, you started out in the arts, mostly music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I guess you have a wonderful. I've never heard you sing, Joshua. Wanna, <laughs> I, I've got to come and listen to a performance because the stuff we said, man, you, it was you were the featured, you know, artist in in some of these performances. Um, but um, but the fact that um, you started out church music director, your dad's a pastor mm-hmm. uh, or was, mm-hmm. um, and um, so you started that route. But then you really branched out. What made for that tour, that turn? Yeah, so my degree's in church music. Uh, that's how I got started. I spent 10 years as a church music director. Then I was a casting director for Disney Entertainment. Uh, huge difference in those two things, for sure. But it opened my eyes up, especially here in Central Florida, because Central Florida is a mecca for talent. You know, similar to film in L.A. or musical theater uh, in New York City, because of our theme parks and our convention industry, we have so many talented people living among us. And as they were coming to do auditions for that next big show at Disney, I would ask the question, where do you perform and where do you find community as a singer at the time? And nine times out of 10, people from all over the world said, I don't have a place like that back home. I don't have a place to belong or to use my gifts. And so it birthed in me this idea at the time to make sure that everybody in Central Florida could say, I have a place to belong. And that's how we started the choir. Literally started out of my garage. (laughs) We had a meeting. I brought together people and said, is there a place for this? Is there a need for this? That was in 2010. And in February of 2011, we launched the first rehearsal and had 152 singers show up um, to that very, very first rehearsal. You and the rest what, is history from there. <laughs> you know what's really interesting about that, as you were, uh, as you were, uh, as you were introing uh, him, Pop, and and as you're talking, you know, through this idea of people don't have a place to start. I never put together the connection on um, how how many people, if they do have any exposure to being able to sing in groups or having any sort of you know community around that. It, it probably is in most places in America, it's, if it's not church-based, it's going to be really hard to find. I mean, I imagine that that, I mean, and, and that's not the majority of Americans that are, that are attending church every week. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't really have a place to do that. You're absolutely right. And even here in Central Florida, because of the theme park and conven- convention industry, also because of the, you know, there was a lot of large church music programs that have gone more contemporary. So you have these big church orchestras and church choirs that now are praise bands or praise teams. So you have mm-hmm. a lot of displaced church musicians yeah. and artists. But then also here in the Central Florida area, we have an incredible education system. So 100% access to the arts in Orange County Public Schools. Then you have, uh, you know, universities like UCF, Rollins, Valencia, Seminole State, um, Full Sail that are cranking out incredibly talented and gifted people who then choose a different career so they can make some money, right? Mm, But they still have those gifts and abilities that are innate of a part of who they are and they want to use those. And so that has been part of our success here is that in those three areas between displaced church musicians, the theme park and convention industry bringing so many talented people here. And then our education system cranking out extremely gifted uh, people. Um, there is there are hundreds, thousands of people in Central Florida who want to perform. So, as the founder and executive director of Central Florida Community Arts, um, are are you naturally an organizer, or did this thing just kind of evolve? And and you said, okay, well, let's do this, and 
tell us about the tell us about the the distributed organization you have. Yeah. Okay? So uh, thankfully, mm-hmm. I'm I'm right lefted and uh, right brained and left brained. I have that okay, because I, yeah. I I I am a conductor still. I mean, that's what I am by you know my degrees oh, in church music, wow. and so I am an, an artist. Yeah. I am a musician, yeah. um, and so I still get to lead the 310 voice adult community choir. I still get to direct them. That's like my creative outlet. But you know, in even in building church music programs and working at Disney, I was able to to build a sense of business. Um, but then I surrounded myself from the day one from that garage meeting with really incredible people with business minds who help form who we are today. If I would have, you know, I'm trying to finish a book right now and thinking back on those early days, it, there was no plan to be honest. Mm-hmm. Past offering an opportunity for people to be a part of a choir that was non-audition, welcomed, accepting, loving, encouraging. All of those things. And when we created programs out of necessity and out of need, as we realized what potential there was for arts accessibility in Central Florida. So in the very beginning, we weren't even going to be a nonprofit. It was a for-profit passion project Mm. on the side, had no desire to leave Disney. And we became a nonprofit in 2012 and continued to create opportunities as we saw the need. So the orchestra began because we had musicians playing for the choir who said, we love what the choir is doing, but we don't want to just keep playing for the choir. We want to have our own orchestra, right? So now we have a 165-member adult orchestra, the largest in the state. The choir is now the largest in the country, the largest community choir in the country. Right. The Worst America says wow, we're the largest man. choir in the country. So, yeah. So And then the youth program started because parents came to us and said, we love what the choir and orchestra is doing. We want something for our kids, right? So. Everything that we've created has come out of us finding a need as we start to build relationship. It's uh, you know I think I think a lot of people look at starting something and not having a uh, a, a very specific tight business plan of this we're going to do exactly X Y Z um, as a weakness. But I think I mean it seems like in in your case and and I feel like a lot of times when when we're talking to people that are entrepreneurs that are starting, you know, their passion, it's almost, it's a virtue. It's a gift, you know, going into it saying, I know I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see where it leads after that. Cause mm-hmm. from 2010 to 2012 is not a long time to no. switch over. No, it's not. And, and that's really where I think what's been exciting about this organization is it really went from an idea to a passion project, to a community changer. Mm. It's possible, mm-hmm. but it is, it's all about being mission aligned. You know, our mission as an organization is we exist to serve and build community through the arts. So just like what you were talking about earlier, the arts are important to us, but but serving the community and building community is even more important. And we just see the arts as the vehicle, as a catalyst to make that happen. Um, well, we have to go to a break here, but uh, but when we come back, uh, actually our break's not for a minute, but I think we're just going to add that to the next segment because uh, there's so much, I bet, to unpack with that idea of serving and building the community and, and the different approaches that you take to that. So uh, if you are uh, um, uh, going to uh, stick around for the commercial, when you come back, when then we will, I'm driving, drying it out. I'm trying to do the whole minute. <laughs> It's, it's going to be something it's, amazing. There's yeah. a little, little obsessive compulsive in there. I've got to get it right down to the last I'm, second. I'm watching the sand go out of the timer. When you come back, we will talk over the ways that we uh, are talking about serving the community through the arts uh, right after this. Welcome back to The Bright Side. Uh, If you are sticking around from our previous uh, segment, I want to say I've rehydrated. My brain is fully functional again. (laughs) (laughs) And apologies for anyone who was worried. 
<laughs> Every now and then a little misfire happens. Um, so uh, we are talking today to Joshua Vickery, who uh, runs the Central Florida Community Arts. Uh, and and we were talking at the end, you were saying that the the, uh, the mission is to serve, build and serve the community through the arts at, or close to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, we, we'd mentioned how there's, you know, for a lot of people, they can sing at their church or that's pretty much it. And there's not really, uh, there's not really another outlet. What, what populations have you identified that are just particularly deprived of opportunity to, uh, to, to learn about this or to express themselves this way? Yeah. A lot of times, you know, we think of arts as a luxury, right? We think of it when you're talking about the basic needs of people in a community, arts isn't always at the top, right? Of course, housing and, and, and food and, and shelter and all these different things. Uh, but the arts are part of the holistic approach to building a great community and And for us, we have seen that in a variety of ways by connecting with populations that normally may not have access to the arts and to see the difference that that makes. And uh, we partner with UCF to do all sorts of research and different things. Uh, But we look at two areas and kind of breaking down the barriers and that's accessibility, making sure the arts can get to that person and then affordability, making sure it's something either they can afford or that we can pay for it for them. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I mean, I, I mean, as someone who, uh, I, I took voice lessons a long time ago, I mean, they, they aren't cheap. I mean, no. it's, uh, it's, it's really something. How do you, how do you combat that? I mean, to, to get it to, to the point that it's affordable for people. Yeah. So we do that in a variety of ways. A lot of it is through fundraising efforts, writing grants, um, working with corporate sponsors, um, being able to cast the vision to individual givers uh, in, in a philanthropy, you know, for philanthropy. So a lot of times when we go out and take programs to underserved or marginalized populations, it's completely underwritten by the community. Wow. Uh, and that's in, a vari- that's in a variety of ways, because a lot of even our government, our local government, even our, our mayor just gave an extra $250,000 out of uh, the regular budget as a one time gift because states f- state arts funding was cut this year. Yeah. Huh. So even our, you know, our mayor and, and our commissioners and our leaders know the value of the arts in our community. And so um, this is a place that's really that really gets it. I wonder if that's, oh, I'm sorry. I just keep, I'm so fascinated no, with this. No. Um, yeah. is, is that a theme that you've noticed that, that the people that are in leadership or in governmental authority, uh, that the closer they are, the, the farther tiered down they are towards the community, the more they recognize the importance of it. And once you get up into state and federal levels, it, it starts to lose some of that. I mean, it, you're, cause you're saying it's getting cut at a state budget, but then local government comes in and says, no, no, we actually, we, this is important. Yeah. I think part of it is that they see they're in the trenches, they're on the ground. They know that how it's impacting the local community. But I also think it has a lot to do with personal experience. I mean, you said, Dr. Hunter, you're a tap dancer, right? Well, they, <laughs> Extraordinary. It's awesome. <laughs> well, I never should have said that. <laughs> I'm never going to let you live that down now, just so you know. But, you know, Mayor Dyer is, uh, you know, he, I've interviewed him multiple times, and he always attests part of his experience and leadership back to his high school drama class, mm. you know? And oh, so man. I think some of it has to do with when there are people in leadership roles who truly have personally experienced what the arts meant to them, mm. they want to make yeah. sure that yeah. nobody's left behind that in totally that. So I, I, we see that throughout the leadership, Mayor Jacobs as well, and, and yeah. different mayors and Mayor McDonald of Maitland. We see a lot of leaders in our community who said, hey, it personally affected me or my family, cool. and I want to make sure that everybody has access to that. Well, you, you know, the, our crack resource department um, um, listed some of the um, – some of the folks that are benefiting from your outreach programs um, and preschoolers uh, in the Paramore neighborhood, middle schoolers in Osceola County, homeless youth affiliated with the Covenant House, 
children in Bithlow and East Orange and in the Goldsboro neighborhood in Sanford. Mm. Uh, what kinds of programs do you have for these folks? Well, it's, it's beautiful because what we do is we work with these different organizations. And right now we have about 70 partners that we integrate the arts into these different that's, opportunities. That's incredible. Yeah, it's really, it's really amazing. And what we do is we sit with that organization or that partner and we talk about their population and we say, what is it that you think that we can bring to you when it comes to the arts that will benefit this population? Right. So every single program looks different. Mm. It might be a music and movement class. It might be some type of improv that can work on social skills or connecting with others. Um, it could be some type of percussion um, drum circle because we're working with a population that has Parkinson's and that is something that helps them, you know, so it really does depend on the population. And we look at, you know, those points of intersection of how can we bring the arts to them and it also not just be something fun and something neat to experience, but can also help them in, in some capacity. You talked about music and, and, and the brain. Yeah. We have a choir called the Musical Minds Choir, and it's a choir for people with early stages of dementia. And every week we have between 50 and 60 people with dementia and their care partners who come to choir rehearsal. Wow. And it is the most beautiful thing to watch because we know that music unlocks the part of the brain that goes last in dementia. And so we see people who walk into rehearsal completely non-responsive. They don't remember their care partner's name. They don't know why they're there. And then music comes on that we play and sing from their days they went to the prom or when their kids were born. And they lift their head and they <clears throat> sing every single word bet, the from memory. Yeah. Every single Isn't word. That cool? I mean, it's, it's powerful. <laughs> it's that. really cool. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and that, I mean, that alone is something that, that so powerfully demonstrates something that is, that is just a, a scientific fact um, that, that really should shut down naysaying about who needs arts. We need industry and science and we've got to you know work on our you know stem education stuff all of those things are important but they're not mutually exclusive uh, it's the opposite there's there's synergy there uh, because that's absolutely true i mean that stuff about uh, people that have uh, dementia from from whatever cause you know alzheimer's is the most famous but there's as as you know there's a lot of reasons and there is there is such a there's a deeper emotional there's an activation switch. And when you get deep enough to affect stuff that's emotion, it's the same thing with scents, you know, the mm-hmm. smell. And, um, but to, you can do that same thing through music. I mean, it's just such a, such a neat thing. You were saying, um, uh, I think it was, I don't even think we were on air yet, but you were talking about how uh, you had just come back from, you were in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, a national uh, event uh, going through, uh, it was, it was something to do with arts. I was paying attention, uh, <laughs> man, but I was so, you know, was, that thing you were you just, know, at. yeah, thing you do. You at least remember where it was. In that's general. Good, right? That's right. I was like, I was taking notes. I was like, Texas. And then this next thing that I'm going to ask you, uh, which is, uh, you were saying that in general, when somebody does something that's similar to this, trying to bring arts into a, into an environment where it would benefit, but not, might not automatically be a part of it. Um, it's typically segmented. It's this hospital or it's this organization. Um, but that what you're doing is much, is much broader. Um, and that people were trying to figure out, you know, how you do that. I would imagine that having that broader, you know, outreach, uh, it's gotta, it's gotta feed into itself. I mean, it's gotta be, I would imagine there's synergy there because you're, you're hitting so many different places. I mean, it's healthcare and, and, underadvantaged communities and all that. It's all of those things. And it's part of the the reason why Central Florida Community Arts has been so successful. 
Um, and Dr. Hunter, I don't know if you remember saying this, but you did a video for one of, for us, for one of our fundraising events one time. And you said that, that our community would be impoverished without CFC arts. Mm. And that's, I think that's truly what we have created is that we are touching so many people now that without us, you know, the community would feel that they would know that. And that's from the healthcare system. That's from the education system. That's from our community partners. Because we're able to touch so many different people, the arts are just exploding uh, yeah. in, in, in this community. And that's what was happening at that national conference is that I said I'd sit around for two hours answering questions because people are going, hey, I live in an urban area, but we don't have anything like this. It's segmented. This population gets it from this person, yeah. but we're missing so many yeah. people. Yeah. And that's what we're committed to is to making sure everyone gets it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's it's uh, it's such a core part of 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 a community in general, and I think I mean it. I guess communities are just you know what who we are as people writ large, you know, in in these social groups and stuff like that. But you had said earlier, um, and this is something we'll have to talk about in our next segment. I promise not to do the <laughs> lead off that I did last time. Um, but uh, but that it's a uh, you'd said in the it doesn't mean the same thing as uh, you know it's not like you're giving housing and stuff like that. But while you were saying that, I was thinking through, you know, when you see someone who's, who's chronically homeless, there, there's a lot of times where um, there's still, there's still a guitar, there's still a saxophone, yep. there's still a harmonica. There's something that's so core. There's something that's deeper yep. within us that, uh, that, that it, it is, it is a human need, you know, no one would argue it's more important than water, but again, they're not mm. mutually exclusive things. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, we have to go to a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Joshua Vickery and the community arts. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back to The Bright Side. This is a show that's about helping you help others. And today, specifically, we are talking about the arts. Yes. And uh, I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my dad, Joel Hunter. Uh, And with us today, we have Joshua Vickery, who uh, basically, he's like a superhero. You know, Uh, he's he's bringing a need. A superhero with a musical instrument. No, a baton, a conductor's baton. <laughs> That's one, of, one of my board members likes to call me the Pied Piper of the arts. There, there you are. are. All right. All right. I like that. Yet again, demonstrating the importance of arts. That guy got all the snakes out of Ireland. <laughs> I mean, that's hard to do. I know. They tried everything. This is practical. Take that, STEM majors. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, we're, uh, basically, for people that are just tuning in, uh, you know, I feel like a summary of what you do with the, with the Central Florida Community Arts is is try to build and serve the community through the arts. And um, I, I feel like that's basically your mission statement, actually. It um, is. Good job. That is exactly is that my mission is? statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, that shows how coherent your message is, because I just I got that from what you were saying. Um, and, uh, and so that involves taking music and taking arts in all of their forms uh, to people that uh, otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity. And we were talking last segment a little bit about people that, you know, live in under privileged areas that, that otherwise might not have access. But you were saying there's also somewhat of a, somewhat of a spectrum of age where people start to lose, lose uh, ability to get in contact with this stuff. Yeah. And what we are trying to do is it's not just about marginalized and underserved populations, but just accessibility to everyone. So that includes, includes ages, right? So we're looking at prenatal programs. Mm. So we were just meeting with Orlando health this morning, prenatal, uh, programs. prenatal Explain programs. That. So that's for programs for moms, expectant mothers who are, you know, baby is still in the womb, but they are going 
going through different emotions and different things as a first time mom. Uh, they want their baby to experience the arts, you know, as part of the part of forming. And so there's just all these neat research out there about yeah. about babies who have access to the arts that and their mother has access to the arts, how that helps in the development development of the baby. Oh, huh. uh, so literally from prenatal all the way to working with hospice organizations yeah. as people are taking their last breath and letting them experience the arts. Yeah. So we're looking at that wide spectrum too mm-hmm. of how do we make the arts accessible. And one of those is for seniors, for aging, uh, healthy aging adults. You know, when we look at arts and wellness, that's some type of physical or cognitive disability that we're marrying with an arts experience. But then you have healthy aging adults who maybe have never taken a da- tap dance class or yeah. never taken an art class. <laughs> I see how I did that. It's going to be every segment. I want to make sure it's in there. <laughs> I'm so happy you shared that. <laughs> here's, what I'm, here's what I'm getting out of this. I'm 70 years old. And at, at, the, come, at, the, at the point of my kind of losing it or not having contact with reality anymore. I just want you to come in the room, Joel, and break into hang on, Sloopy. Sloopy, hang on. I'm gonna, you know, it's going to be an emotional scene. Respond. An emotional scene. I'm going to hand you a wrapped shoe box, and you're going to open it up, and it'll be tap shoes. <laughs> and you'll speak for the first time in a year. I love it. I love it. So, so if somebody is you know, 75 years old, give or take 15 years, and they say, I, I always loved singing, or I, 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 I played the clarinet for, you know, for three decades. And I, I would love to do something with that again. How would they get in touch with your organization? What, what's the best way to, to, to find a way to, uh, to contact you? Yeah, they can go to our website. It's cfcarts.com or they can call us at uh, 407-937-1800. cfcarts.com. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know who else? You get to steal a lot of the Central Florida carts people yeah. uh, with that too. <laughs> Exactly right. People are like, you know what? I I will take some voice lessons. (laughs) What am I doing just driving these golf carts? Uh, So cfcarts.com. Com. Com. Okay, mm-hmm. cfcarts.com. And that doesn't just include people that are are, are looking to uh, um, join into one of the programs, but but actually people, you're always looking, I'm sure, for people that can that can teach and tutor and mentor and all that. Yeah, all the above. I mean, you can buy tickets to all of our shows on that website. You can become a member and actually come and perform in one of our many different performing ensembles, or you can find ways to roll up your sleeves and volunteer for the things that we do. You know, we did 52 summer camps all over Central Central oh Florida. Good Most golly. of them were completely Holy free God. to the community. Wow. And so there's ways for people to say, well, I'm not necessarily an artist, but I can serve meals or I can, you know, help, you know, uh, with different variety of things with the camp. So there's a lot of ways for people to get involved uh, in the organization. That's good. And I feel like this, this has been successful in what we wanted to talk about in, in that what you're doing in the community, because we've left off entirely. That's the first time that there's any shows at all that's come up at all. Um, so without spending a ton of time going over dates of different shows, and stuff like that. Um, there are actual like shows that people that th- this isn't all just it's not all just rehearsals. Like there's actually shows that people can attend and and watch the largest choir in the in the country. And stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And we do 36 different shows a year. So because we have so many different programs, we're performing all over the place. And last year we had 32,000 people buy a ticket to one of our shows. When do you sleep? I, that is, I, I, I mean, I that don't. Is, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. yeah no, I have an I have an amazing yeah. team. You know, we grew as an organization really quickly. So now we have. 16 full-time team members and we have over hundred teaching artists on contract with us. Wow. So we have a very large team that helps us, you know, make all this and create all this, but you know, people love 
if, if they have the gifts and abilities or even just the desire to perform, they love it. They yeah. eat, breathe, sleep. But yeah. I literally was just in a meeting this morning with Orlando Health and two of our board members, one's the head of pharmacology for Honor Palmer and the other is the CFO of Honor Palmer. And they both oh. play in an orchestra. Oh. I mean, it's everyday people who have these incredible lives and responsibilities and families and the arts are their escape. It's their respite. It's their joy. Which, so, which, which, Reaffirms an earlier principle named many of these folks who are very high achieving in their life um, are are artists, you know, somewhere along the line. You know, I, I you know, Francis Collins, who's the head of the NIH, who's a, who's a guitar player. Yeah, he, he, the guy loves to play the guitar and, and compose songs and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. One of the most brilliant people I know. Um, uh, head of the Human Genome Project, and he's a musician. Mm -hmm. Some, so sometimes I feel like he <clears throat> he decoded uh, the human genome uh, purely to get captive audiences for his guitar performance. <laughs> I know I, you're right. You go, I've been in several yeah, of those. You go you go to you go to it being like I'm going to hear this guy talk about what 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 he discovered the mysteries of our DNA, and then he's like. Have a seat. And then he puts on his guitar, and, and you're in for it. And That's like a Dr. Sandy Sugard at Valencia College. Yes. He became a president exactly. of a college so he could have people who listen exactly. to his Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that was uh, great. In that, in that same vein, we don't have tons of time left, but this was one question that I wanted to ask you as, as we were talking through uh, the, the, the range of what you do, and more specifically, the range of the people uh, with whom you work. You, from people who are, you know, very, very high achievers and are, you know, on the executive boards of very large companies, all the way down to people that you're going into their underprivileged community and they don't have access to what we would consider a lot of the necessities of life. Um, and they both either have a, you know, a bit of music in front of them to sing or an instrument in their hand. Would, do you feel like there's something that, that is the same across that spectrum that when you have that sort of ability to look at people doing the same thing across the spectrum of life, is there something that kind of binds everybody together that, that seems the same across the spectrum? Well, I think you answered your own question. It binds people together. Mm. That's the beauty of the arts is that, you know, there's so many different people from different diverse backgrounds that we deal with. Uh, and in that 300 voice choir, there are people from different uh, religions, from different socioeconomic spectrums, different sexual orientation. I mean, it's, it's a vari variety of people. And Nobody cares, right? Mm -hmm. They're all there to make music together. They're all there to sing together. And all of those things just go out the window. Mm. And, and we see that across the board. We see that as we, we integrate kids from foster care organizations or for underserved populations, sometimes into our programs that are really talented kids and their parents paid for them to be there. And nobody cares. Yeah. They're all there to put on a show together. And so all those things that usually divide us and keep us segmented, those all go away when the arts are in the room. And that's the beautiful thing that I see across the spectrum is that the arts is something that unifies us in a time where we are naturally just divided. That must have been part of what naturally drew, drew you to that same thing, Pop. I mean, because yeah. when you when you started getting, you know, you, you I remember it was like tw 20 years ago or so that you just said this is a really important part of the community. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because there there is there's a, a, a responsive chord, if you if you'll forgive the, the pun here mm -hmm. in all of us that that is inbuilt, you know, um, um, and, and it's not just responding to a piece of performance music it's there's something that touches deeper inside of us um and and, and makes us person a person you mm. know a whole person yeah. mm. with other people and we're made for relationships and music is one of those 
incredibly binding factors in our lives. Yeah. Mm. It's thank you so much for what you do. Thank I you, mean, Joshua. because it really, it really is incredible. It, it speaks to something. I, mean, I think what makes it so binding is that it, it kind of speaks to the best part of who we are. You know, yeah. it, it elevates us out of the, out of the stress of what we, what we're dealing with, you know, and kind of reminds us what it is to be, you know, truly human again. Mm. So uh, thank you for what you do. Thanks for being on the show today. Absolutely. Yeah. It's my pleasure. And you, you are, are great. You're a delight. Oh, thank and, you. and thank you for listening. Uh, this has been the bright side. We'll see you next time. Thank you.